This is Gunnar Esaias, and then you're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Ferrone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Esaias, and we are back for another episode after our week off. It is post-Labor Day. It is the fall. It is September. Cold and flu season is upon us. Well, soon. Allergy season is almost here. All the wonderful things about fall. As always, joined by Leah and Tiffany. How are you guys? Doing great. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, Leah, I know that's a lie. I know you're not doing pretty good because you're on IVs. Come on. Let's be real here. Uh, Be honest. well as I can be doing. Be honest with the listeners. Be honest with our listeners. (laughs) I'm sleep deprived though, and I'm exhausted. Yeah, but I lungwise I'm feeling better. Good. Okay. Okay. Better is good. Um, yeah. And it's also more. It's more of an acceptable answer, more of a truthful answer for our listeners to now. Now they identify with you. They are relating to you. You know, everything is good in the podcast world when you're truthful on the podcast, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all right, so today's today's episode is going to be about home IVs. Uh, which is Hi. extremely convenient for you, Leah. Um, so let's, let's just jump right into it. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of home IVs. Uh, you know, the the good, the bad, the ugly, the some of the nuances. You know, you know the nuisances with it, rather. Um, and, and we'll just see where it goes. So, Leah, why don't you tell us where you are, why you're on home IVs, and how you generally do them? All right. So, as some of you know, like a couple of years ago, I would end up on home IVs pretty much every. I would say like every other month or so. So I was on them pretty regularly. It became part of my routine. I wouldn't say it was enjoyable. I know Tiff can relate because she was on them like every couple of weeks before she got her lungs. So I eventually broke that trend, knock on wood. Um, And now we're in the pattern of it's usually about every six months. Um, So I had done IVs prior to Tiff and I going to Florida, and that was mainly just to prep my body for that trip. I really didn't need them at that point, but it was like, hey, it's been six months. Let's just do them. So I did that for that trip, and then we kind of assumed I usually exacerbate in August. Um, That's just my month that I have a hard time with. Summer is not really my friend, especially with the humidity, so... Um, we were kind of assuming that, you know, I'd hit that six month mark, which would have been August and I would need them. And, you know, I was having some days where, yeah, I felt like I needed them, but then I'd have a streak of like a week where I felt great. So there was no real signs like, Hey, this is a hundred percent an exacerbation. It's probably just a bad CF day. (laughs) So I went to clinic and they're like, Hey, it's been six months. You're about to go on a trip. Let's do IVs again. So that's kind of how the decision was made. It wasn't like, I was super sick and I'm going on them, you know, so it does make it a little bit easier. But with that being said, who my V's are still rough. It's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it sounds like you sort of plan your IVs rather than 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you have planned them in the past rather than, you know, wait until you absolutely need them. I think it's an interesting right. sort of difference there between some people that do, do IVs, you know, intravenous antibiotics, um, and this, you know, when, when they really, versus, you know, when they really need them versus when, you know, you know what, maybe we should just do it just to see what happens. So I've always been kind of against doing them in terms of just planning them out because in the past when we used to do that, it actually used to make my CF worse. So it would cause, you know, it would kick stuff up and then I would go through this trend of, oh, I'd be on them for a month and then I would come off and then I would actually exacerbate and then it uh -huh. would just be in a series of exacerbations. So I've always been the type of person where we normally wait till I exacerbate and we do them. And usually that was admit, like at least every three months. Uh -huh. But things have changed and I'm on different medications and, you know, we've changed my home um, inhaled antibiotics and those types of things. And we think that's a lot of the reason why I have a bigger gap now mm -hmm. in between. But <clears throat> we kind of don't think it's a safe situation to just – you know, once you hit the six month mark, well, let's just ride it out and see what happens. Cause yeah. I think they're afraid if I were to exacerbate, I'd see a really major drop in lung function, which I can't really afford. And also, so, you're also going away too. So, you know, I think exactly. it makes, it makes sense and to sort I of just get ahead of that. We kind of think I would exacerbate around the time I'm going away. So yeah. let's just prepare, prepare for, for the that. worst, you know, yeah. and just do it now. Yeah, you know, I think I, uh, I I think it's interesting to hear how people treat it differently. Uh, I think this is just one of those things where there's really no consistent school of thought around you know intravenous antibiotics. It's also like one of those things where like some you know one day like you know however many years ago they decided that oh you know what the accepted course of IV antibiotics is going to be 14 days. You know whether or not yeah. that's actually like the the best possible course for a person with CF or not is sort of still being discussed and they're you know they're studying it whether or not studies on it. Yeah, yeah. and I think they really don't know. Yeah, I mean know? I I think it's one of those things where they they're just trying to learn also infectious mm -hmm. disease is one of those things that sort of uh, changes obviously right. as I guess it isn't so obvious but as right. Uh, you know, we, we experience more and more drug resistant bacteria and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I it's, I, I think I, I've been on IVs twice within the last, uh, 12 months, uh, which is pretty yeah. good, pretty good run for me. Um, yeah, that's good. and, and, you know, I think I've, I've used a pretty wide range of, of antibiotics in my days. I mean, I've used, Tober is usually the go-to one that I, I have pseudomonas. So October is usually the go-to one that I that I'm on, um, and I usually pa I usually it's always in my routine. I usually yeah. I usually pair yeah. that with uh, with either Mirapenem or Ceftaz or the new ones or Baxa, um, and then I've also in, in years past I've used Imipenem. I've used. Uh, God, I'm, I mean, Zosin, but I'm actually allergic to Zosin. We're both so, don't do well with Zosin. I mean, I mean, yeah, so I mean, we can talk about that, like, you know, I allergies. Any of us do well with Zosin. Yeah, penicillin, right? I mean, Zosin yeah. is one of those things where I remember I was, uh, man, when was that? I think it was, I think it was in high school yeah. when I was using it and it was one summer night. I came home and I had, you know, I, I, I've, I've always been very uh, mobile with my IVs and I, I don't yeah. even have a port. So I was either out at the movies or yeah. I was somewhere and I was infusing my Zosin. and I got back and I walked in the house and I was like, mom, look how many mosquito bites I have. Oh, and no. she's, and she's like, those are not mosquito bites. Oh, um, oh my God. I know. Horrendous. Oh. Horrendous. I had like welts covering oh. my body and it, wow. it, it, was, it was, it was, they were enormous hives. And I was yeah. like, holy crap, like, what, like, what do I do? And, uh, we called the on call and they were like, you know, is he, is he breathing? Is he, is, you know, is he anaphylactic right now? They just, I just like shoved like a, 
a shit ton of uh, like Benadryl down my throat and like, yeah. you know, wait for the morning. Was that was that like the first time you did it, or was this after a couple days? This is the first time I like showed any sort of. Well, no, no, this was I was probably a week into the into the course. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was probably a week into the course, and it just suddenly happened, and then um, I was just cursed. I probably shouldn't have cursed, but I did. Uh, and I, uh, <laughs> yes, we are being real. And like, yeah, I had these enormous welts all over me, and. Um, we called the on-call. The on-call was, they weren't too concerned because I wasn't anaphylactic. My throat wasn't closing up. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I just kind of, um, I, you know, I dealt with it in a, uh, in a, in a productive way. And the way that the doctor chose to, to, to continue the course of antibiotics was to just prophylactically treat with Benadryl. So I was taking a ton of Benadryl throughout the, throughout the rest of the course. Oh my God, it was horrendous. And I, I mean, I haven't done Zosin since. I, I mean, I haven't even tested for the Zosin allergies since then. But I mean, it just, it goes in the chart as, you know, it's being allergic. And I think, you know, allergies is one of those things that really does provoke a lot of anxiety for me, especially over non pick lines. Yeah, it does for me too. I had to get desensitized to Zosin in the hospital, in the ICU. So I had major anxiety in there doing that. And that was for me to go home on it because I'm very highly allergic to the penicillin. Uh-huh. So in order How did you find that out? That, how, how did you figure me, how did you figure that out you were highly allergic though? Um when I was a baby, they gave me penicillin and my throat closed up. So Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, I had antibiotics. So we don't mess with the penicillins. And I was at a point that I needed a new antibiotic because I was getting so resistant to everything. So they said, this is what we need to do. So I went in the ICU. They desensitized me, which is they give you a little bit of the drug every so often and see how you do. Uh And they start taking it more and more and more Mm -hmm. until you're a little bit over the dose that you are going to be receiving all the time. So just to see how you react. And then I was in the ICU for a couple of days just to make sure nothing was going to happen. So, and I, I took it fine. Um, I think I was a little itchy, but that's about it, <laughs> which is, it's um, like you can deal with itchiness yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. definitely like allergic reactions are scary and mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> yeah. You have I to, don't know if you guys know the answer to this because I've never been desensitized to anything. I have a lot that they would like to do that with in the future, but we're just waiting until we need to use those. Yeah. Um, do you have to get desensitized every time you go on that IV or is it just like a one-time thing? I have a feeling they, if I would have went back on it, they would have desensitized me again. I think they told me that. Oh, okay. so you, oh, so you only did it once. I've never. That's what she would have to yeah. do. I've never, I've never done it either. I mean, I was, I've been after you know the Zosin thing has come up in the past for my specific you know situation, and you know the doctor was like, you know, if we ever do want to go back to it, we'll have to do desensitization or desensitization. Um, and I, we just haven't been down that road. Um, right. And I, uh, I will say, you know, it was explained to me a lot of the way, you know, how different you just explained it, where you go in the ICU, you sit there for the full day. Uh, and you, you know, you do the, the ascending dose. Um, and believe me, it sounds horrendous. And having you, you know, hearing you explain it doesn't sound very yeah. fun at all. Um, uh, so much anxiety. I had to, t- I had to have people talk to me cause I thought I was going to have an allergic reaction because your mind is so powerful. Yeah. Talk and about the placebo effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it can happen. I had to have people talk to me the whole time. I was like, talk to me. <laughs> 
I'm at a point where here right now talk to me (laughs) no it's true I'm at a point where I've had so many different allergic reactions to things and we've just pre-medicated with Benadryl that at this point my body recognizes Benadryl as like having an allergic reaction so then I do have an allergic reaction anytime I take Benadryl like how absurd is that that's on my allergy list but I am not allergic to it right that's crazy you know yeah, yeah, I get. Yeah. Like my throat closes up from Benadryl. That's crazy. That's oh, ridiculous. Horrendous. Yeah, I mean, you know, these things are really powerful. They're really toxic. Um, and quite frankly, you know, I think that they're just, you know, there's different ways to deal with them. Um, I mean, right. do you guys ever do inpatient IVs? Or are you almost always outpatient? Are you strictly almost outpatient? Always outpatient. I oh. mean, the only time that I go into the hospital is if I'm exacerbating so bad that I can't do anything for myself. You know what I mean? Like you're to the point where, all right, I'm short of breath sitting still. Mm -hmm. I need help. And we need to figure out what meds are going to get rid of this the fastest. And that's when I do agree that admitting me is the best choice because I need a couple of days for someone to just help me get over that hump. But it's kind of like once we find the right med combo, you know, because I go from sitting still, not moving, sleeping all the time to doing multiple laps around the hospital and you can't keep me in the bed. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's usually only like a two day thing. It's not something where I need to be there the whole time. Well, I was, I always went in the hospital. I, I, for the most part, you did for the most part that I remember. I've been in for at least five days, probably because of how sick I was, to be honest, but I thought it was better for you in like that sense. And when I was younger, I would go in the hospital for the full 14 days. Uh-huh. When I was I've little. never done that. Then as I got older, they started allowing me to go home on it. Mm-hmm. And I think in high school, I would go in the hospital maybe a few days. And then I would go home for the rest of the... How if- old were you the first time you had to do IV antibiotics? Oh, I probably when I was a baby. Like... Okay, so you had, like, started that routine kind of since you were... Yeah, early. Yeah, and then I had, like, a gap probably for a few years when I was in elementary school. And then I remember I got sick and needed antibiotics when I was about 11. And then that started... Then I was in kind of a routine every year. And then we started... Then I So I would go in the hospital, and then they when I was 11, they started doing the home IV after I was in the hospital for a few days. And we knew that I think that's pretty typical. Right and all that stuff. Right. Mm. That makes sense. I mean, I would say I kind of had a similar routine. Um, maybe not every year, but I, I was, I was obviously diagnosed. If you've been listening, you know that I'm di- I was diagnosed at right. two, not right after birth. I had a late diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, I, you know, I did IVs right then and there um, simply just because I was, you know, I got sick. That's how I got diagnosed. When you, when you got diagnosed, was it more like you got sick lung-wise and like that's how they figured it out? Or was it... Yeah, like- no, I, I, as the story goes, I was in respiratory distress. Oh, okay. um, so I, I was two years old and got rushed to the emergency room and they had to right. sort of like keep me alive. Um, right. So I, you know, I can't say I remember those days. I, you know, I don't right. really know. But 
I mean, I don't remember when I was diagnosed either. I was three. Yeah, so. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, but the first time of memory when I had uh, IVs was in first grade, so I guess that's six or seven years old. Yeah, Um, so you had a little bit of a gap. Yeah, and then, and then, yeah, and then from that point on, it was really, like, every three or four years. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't. I'm kind of in between the two of you. It was, it was regular to the extent of, like, yeah, I had regular IVs, but it wasn't every year um right. and then yeah, by the time i got to college it then became every year you know at yeah. least once a year right. um i was more twice a year in college um, i was three times a year in college yeah and then yeah but i mean but when i was a senior i think i did three i did think i did three courses during my senior year of college that was pretty bad yeah. um and yeah, then uh, a lot of body i mean oh yeah it is know. um yeah. And, and then you know i after i graduated college it it was pretty frequent, um, and then I'm, you know, the stretching in right now is probably the best I've done in a really long time. Um, so that's that, that that's part of that. But you know, I I, I think um, there is something to be said about the routine of, of IV antibiotics. You know, that's yeah. it does become easier to do when you are in the routine. I think, in my in my opinion, because you know, at that point you start to deal with the same home care people. The nurse becomes the same person. You know, the the whole. Um, you know, all the stuff surrounding the IV gets easier and really doing the IV itself is probably the easiest thing of the whole thing. For me, you know, the most challenging thing, you know, or what I really discovered was going all the way to Columbia to get my IV placed. It was a pain in the ass because you go there and Columbia is such a major, major hospital. Finally, my doctor was like, why don't you just do it, you know, on Long Island by where you live at a community hospital there. So I actually have a community uh, hospital down the street. It's a major hospital. Like I have a it's a level one trauma center. It's like that kind of place. It's a okay, real significant, awesome. it's a real significant <laughs> medical center. Um, they just don't have a CF center at this particular place. So, but I do go right. to use their endometrial radiology unit and it's like in and out, like I'm in and out in an hour and I can go, amazing. I can go right to work or I can go, you know, go home if I have to, whatever. It's, it's just a lot easier. And I think the regularity of, um, I don't know if regularity is even a word, but you know, the, the, the trend of doing, uh, you know, doing, doing IVs, Really, saw made me see the ease, the you know the 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 ease that 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 is a part of the whole thing. It doesn't have to be such a difficult process. Yeah, and they kind of understand you after you've done it so many times. Mm-hmm. They know your your routine, and they know what you're getting, and you, they know you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's the thing. They don't have to really teach you because you understand what you you've done for so long, and right. especially. Me, I was on antibiotics, what, every two weeks? Yeah, it was every two time. weeks. So the pharmacist, every single person knew who I was uh-huh. every time I would call. Right. And they knew <clears throat> what I was doing. So they would be able to actually send the meds to my house and have it all ready for me. And mm-hmm. they, knew they were comfortable with me doing it because... Tiffany's doing this every few weeks. What you know? Right. So, like we don't need to walk you through it. Exactly. I, I mean, it is nice. You know, they sort of know what you want as a patient because you're like a, a you know right. return shopper. It's like when you go to the deli and you're a regular. You know, the person behind the counter knows exactly what you want. It's, it's right. kind of it's kind of the same thing, just in a different way. Um, and, and it makes the whole process a little easier, I think, uh, especially when you 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 get. I mean, we've all had horrendous home care nurses, and we've all had fantastic home care nurses. And as soon as you right. find the home care nurse that you really love, you know, then the whole the whole thing becomes that much easier, anyways, too. Oh my gosh, it's so much easier. I mean, I've stayed with horrendous home care companies yeah. that suck on like the delivery end 
mm-hmm. solely because I like a nurse that much. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then when you remove the nurse from that situation, it's like, it's nope, good. I'm switching. You know? Oh, totally. So, totally. I mean, that's, yeah. in fact, I, one of my home care nurses was, was the person who, in fact, who discovered my allergy to chlorhexidine and my allergy to tegaderm. You know, yeah. like it, it took it, a, a dermatologist. I went to dermatologist after dermatologist. They couldn't figure out why I was having these horrendous reactions on my arm during yeah, all my IV courses, my antibiotics. And my home care nurse, who happened to be a, a Navy corpsman, just like, mm-hmm. you know, looked at my arm and was like, you're having an allergic reaction to the chlorhexidine and the tegaderm. Like he, yeah. he said, that's what's happening. And he, in fact, he was like, you know, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to, uh, this was, uh, this is probably 10 years ago now. He's like, you know yeah. what we're going to do? We're going to put some chlorhexidine on your other arm and cover it with tagaderm. We're so, just going to put some tagaderm and then we're going to put some normal yeah. tape and see what happens. He came back the next day because at that point I was getting my IV bandage changed every day because of how horrendous my arm was. Yeah. And when, you know what? The chlorhexidine part of my arm blew up. Right. Okay. So, I mean, like, so, you know, and that's how I figured out that I had a, a chlorhexidine analogy because the home care yeah. nurse was thinking outside the box. I mean, right. that's the kind of difference yeah. a home care nurse can make. Well, it's true. The home care nurse that I had forever, she ended up leaving the company that, you know, <clears throat> I had been with and the company she moved to, they don't treat CF patients. So I don't have her anymore, but she was amazing. And I had the same exact thing happen where my port was accessed and it was kind of weird because it kind of just, I've got this allergy out of nowhere in the middle of an IV antibiotic course, you know, like we had accessed my port, we used the chlor prep and like it all went fine. And I did great the first week. I had no issues with my skin. And then second week deaccessed me, clean it off, use the chlor prep. And it's like, bam, put Tegaderm on. And I have this horrendous reaction. I mean, just rash and everything blew up, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Like, yeah. is it infected? You know, cause it doesn't, you put two and two together and you're like, mm-hmm. why would chloroprep be okay one week? And then the next week, not, yeah. you know? So she came back and she was like, let's just test a spot on your arm. Same exact thing. Things mm-hmm. she shouldn't have done. She put it over my entire arm. Like, my Oh arm yeah. Horrendous. And so now the whole thing she, is like, just totally burned like, up. Yep. We're going to test this. And I was like, whoa, what are you doing? What if it blows up? She's like, it might not. It might not. My arm was like swollen and disgusting for like two months. Uh And I was like, this is so embarrassing. But I mean, like she did figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's. It is. pretty common right with yeah i find i'm finding i'm finding more and more people get you know yeah. coming up and talking about their reaction you you are so lucky that you don't have it because it's like the it is the go-to thing for and for really for, for cleaning because like when i go get my embolizations done yeah. instead yeah. of you know when they go clean the area thankfully i'm awake when they're doing this yeah, yeah. um the swabs that they use to clean that area are filled with chloroprep and I oh yeah, uh-huh. find them over and over. It is again. terrifying. Uh huh. You're absolutely right. Not crack that because if yeah. you crack that and like use it, I'm going to blow up. Yeah, like, it's not going to be good. Uh, it went, but they use those same swabs to dip in like the betadine that they're right. using. So it's like. That just doesn't make sense. Work. Yeah, no, I um, I I actually went through a period where I would bring my own betadine to the hospital because uh, I'd be like, I thing. I would be like, you are going to use this bottle. We're going to bring this into the room, and you are going to use it. I'm going to watch you yeah. use it. I, you know, it's because I I will say that 
things are starting to change, right? And I don't know whether this is just because I have been a frequent flyer at this interventional radiology unit or just because more and more people are becoming allergic to chlorhexidine or showing an analogy to chlorhexidine. But I have seen uh, the transformation over the past several years of you know me having to pull teeth and having mistakes happen quite frequently. I mean, I would go through a period of time when they would put a bio patch on my IV, and guess what's in the bio patch? The bio patch has chlorhexidine. It does. That's why you got to think. Or or when I or when I go to switch my uh, my G tube, quite a few uh, you know uh, surgical lubrications contain chlorhexidine. So you know it's so. I mean, you like I've learned that I have to whenever it comes to, like anything medical or any any sort of thing that. Is gonna you know go through a sterile process or require some sort of sterilization? You you got to read that packaging. Uh, you can't yeah, just yeah. assume that they are not going to use something that is not that is not one of your allergies. And and yeah, I mean, to be honest, a lot of healthcare providers they don't know what's in that. No. Well, because you know they you know they just because they they just they just use them. Like someone says, you know, the, the the company comes and says, you know, use this product, and they just blindly use it. You know, after you know, a quick check, whenever you know, whenever that happens. Um, and and I think that's probably in my opinion now that I've you know gotten so used to IVs. That's like the worst part is just getting over the hump to where I know that I'm not going to have an allergy. I mean, I've had home care nurses where I'm like, okay, I am allergic to chlorhexidine. I am allergic to chlorhexidine. And the guy just breaks the thing out and it's and thinks thinking it's an alcohol swab turns out to be a chlorhexidine swab. And I'm like, I'm like, get the F out of my house. Like you yeah, like so like you you me. I had a nurse, so after the nurse I really love, you know, she had a successor that took me over and he had me for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember every time before he'd flush my port or access it or whatever, I would have to remind him for years. I'm allergic to chlorhexidine. Don't use it. Mm-hmm. I had numerous times where this this person would just, you know, break the thing and start just rubbing it on. And I'm like, what are you doing? I just told you a second ago, you can't use that. It's just med- it's medical and negligence is what it is. I had the, the kits that they would send. So they had yeah. kits that were solely chlorhexidine, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is standard. Yeah. But then they also had kits that were chlorhexidine, alcohol, and betadine. So naturally, you just throw out the chlorhexidine, you use the alcohol and the betadine. Well, I just think for patients that are allergic, that's so stupid. The home care company I'm with now, they have kits that are just alcohol and betadine. That's what mine is. Yeah, it's exactly what mine is. So I don't have to continuously remind people, don't use it. But the nurse that I do have now, she's had me for about a year. She knows that I have so much anxiety when it comes to accessing my port and using the right things to clean it that she always tells me, this is alcohol. It's not minor. Minor is the exact same way. I mean, I, I, I always they, because they the alcohol and the chlorprep swabs look the exact same. So you know, yeah, I, I always my nurse is the same. You know, I've had my nurse now for several years, probably close to three or four or five years now, yeah. and and she's amazing. I mean, she is, she has really done a tremendous uh, benefit to my health. Like she's just yeah. uh, just a, a wonderful, amazing woman. And, um, and she is the same thing. She knows that I have this anxiety about chlorhexidine and she was the one who also discovered that, oh, wait, the bio patch has chlorhexidine. And she's like, what are these people doing? And, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's two specific examples where the home care company and the the nurse provided by the home care company has really made a huge impact in my health. And, you know, I think that it's just, you know, we're talking about patient vigilance here. You know, I've also had the home care company send me expired antibiotics. 
Oh. You know, like so. I, you know, yeah. it's it. You know, when, when there's when you're on IVs, you're feeling yeah. horrendously sick, and you still yeah. and you still have to, you know, maintain your vigilant responsibility as a patient. I know it's hard, but yeah. you know, you these double check. It's yeah. It's it's these experiences that I've gone through that have taught me the hard way that you have to go through this. I mean, I, um, you know. I mean, how many times have either of you been on antibiotics where something is, or the doctor has decided to change something and the pharmacy yeah. either has to issue new meds or yeah. there's a lapse in communication. The next thing you know, you get stuck with something that you shouldn't have. I mean, that's how, you know, it, it, or the, you don't have the things yeah. that you need. Yeah. yeah I mean, get yeah, I mean, it's just like, I mean, and I, and, you know, I, I don't want to blame the, the home care company. It, believe me, they have a very difficult job. Home care companies, they're going to make mistakes, but I just feel like when you have patients, that are super, super sick. So when you end up on IVs, nine times out of 10, you don't feel good. You know, you feel the worst you've ever felt. So when a home care company does make a mistake, it's really hard on the patient's end because you have to double check all of the little things they're sending you. You have to check, you know, your flushes, your meds, making sure you have every single thing that you need. And when they mess up, you know, it's really hard for you. Like recently when I went on these antibiotics, they delivered my meds to the wrong house. Yeah. <laughs> so they told a driver called me. They're like, hey, we'll be there in a half hour. And, you know, half hour and went by, they didn't show up. And I thought, oh, something happened on their end. You know, I was really tired because yeah. the whole day had been filled with clinic appointments and whatever. So I was exhausted. And then I get a call from a neighbor, you know, at like almost midnight yelling at me because they have all these meds on their doorstep. Uh -huh. You know, and luckily my number was on the box so mm. that they could call yeah. me. That's but good. if it hadn't have been, I would have never gotten my meds. Yeah. You know, and these are just things that really shouldn't happen, especially when the address is written clearly on the box. Like, I don't know how hard that is to mess up. But, um, you know, it's just hard because these patients are super sick. And usually when you're on home IVs, you're doing meds at horrendous times. You're doing them at the crack of dawn. You're doing them at midnight. You're doing uh -huh. them in the middle of the night. You're doing them throughout the day. You don't feel well on top of that. And then you got to keep all this together yeah. and just micromanage every single little piece of the care that you're getting. And that's really hard on patients. And I don't think people realize that home IVs, I mean, it is difficult, you know, yeah. because you have to do those things or mm -hmm. you're not going to be successful. Right. So it's a lot on the person, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I think um, I think there's a lot of things also about the home care process that they don't necessarily tell you unless you ask. Yeah. And yeah. you know, for for one example that I have is um, you, with, with the eclipse balls, right, and the and the yeah. premixed mm -hmm. medications. You know, you always right. find yourself in a situation where, like, especially early on with my days with IVs, where you'd find yourself, you know, using an IV bag when you really didn't have to. Right, because yeah, there, there's, 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 when they told me that I couldn't have it in a eclipse ball, they told me this all the time. Yeah, I mean, and, they would tell yeah, me too. I, I mean, for, you. I'm like, no, it's not I mean, when I was when I was younger, for example, I, I'll use mirapenem for an example. You know, they, they would tell me that you know, yeah. oh, that can't go yeah. in an eclipse ball because of the shelf life, and I'm like. Yeah. You know, and I was too young and naive. My parents, you know, weren't educated on the on the facts and everything. And we we're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then finally, I said something to my doctor. My doctor was like, the chemistry of the close ball is the same exact thing as an IV bag, right? right? It's just the bag looks yeah. different. The bag has a pump, and you know, when it's an eclipse ball, and the bag doesn't have a pump when it's when it's hanging off the IV pole. And like exactly. that kind there's of there's no magic to that gravity. Like yeah. it needs the gravity because it's in a bag, not because the medication needs the gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I think patients think the medication needs the gravity. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's stupid. I like wish I would have known that because I had so many times that I had to do. Uh, they wouldn't give me the right amount in one bag. 
Uh-huh. Either the two bags. Yeah, and you're, you're stuck up. there. And then you had to change the tubing. You had that, to, that's horrible. You know, out and it was just so hard, especially how sick I was in uh-huh. doing that, especially doing it at 3 a.m. or whatever. That's hard. And that's, and that's when accident. That's when accident. That's when accidents happen. That's exactly when yeah, accidents happen. Exactly. And I, and, you know, I think. I learned I learned the difference when I was in college because finally yeah. they would just be like they would send me everything to just mm-hmm. mix into the eclipse ball like you know it looked yeah. like I had a chemistry lab in front of me but yeah. you know it and and, and and it is it is hard work it's not easy to do all of that and mix and like keep yeah. times and you're basically the pharmacist you know yourself yeah. um but it, it was it right. turned out to be a, a much of a lifesaver and like yeah. you know I think most recently when I had to do it and it was the with the drug polymix and B which is a very short shelf life and you know mm-hmm. I'm doing it or you know my mom is doing my mom also got certified with me that's the only way the home care company would do it by the way is that they you know they they taught us how to do it and they basically called it a quote unquote certification in the process yeah. but you know it's not really yeah, a certification sense. it's more just yeah. a, tra- a training than it's a certification but um, okay. you know they they basically showed my mom and I how to do it. And we learned how to mix these medications into the eclipse balls. And it's really made a huge difference in my life when I had to go on these, you know, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the uncommon IV antibiotics, because you're yeah. just, it just yeah. makes it, it just gives you a, you know, more freedom with the, with the entire thing, you know, and especially, no, in co- especially in college when I was in class or I was doing something, you don't want to have an IV pole, you know, you want to be you know, a little discreet about what you're doing, but you also don't want to miss class. So, you know, it was a good compromise yeah. to, to be able to, to maintain my health while also in college. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's it's a shame that these these home care companies don't don't necessarily come out and tell patients how best to don't. succeed, and you know you have to find they out don't. through some through some trial and error. They yeah. almost tell you that you don't have options. It's like it's this way or no way, mm-hmm. and that's really not how anything is in healthcare. There mm-hmm. are multiple ways to do things. It's just they're not always going to make it known to patients, and that is really frustrating because I think a lot of people would do better if they were able to mix it and bring it with them and you know, give them kind of that ease with it. I'm fortunate enough that when I was younger, so I didn't do my first course of IV antibiotics until I was in second grade, and that was all done at home. I never got hospitalized until that. I never got hospitalized until I was in middle school, and it was because of hemoptysis. It had nothing to do with IVs. I did IVs probably like every two to three years. That was kind of my routine. And we would just do them at home. And it always started mm-hmm. out that way. And I think it's because my parents work in the medical field. They had, you know, a background in that. So it made it a lot easier. And I think the doctors just thought it was a safer situation for me because they did have some knowledge. So my dad always kind of took over the home IV process. Like that was his thing um, in terms of, you know, the different things that my parents would balance between my health. And he always had a really good relationship with the pharmacist. And pretty early on, I ended up on meds that, you know, he would have to mix mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the shelf life and whatever. Right. So when it came to the time where, you know, when we started out on home IVs, they were not in eclipse balls. Those came later, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when I did get to a point where I might have needed a medication that came in a bag mm-hmm. rather than an eclipse ball because of the, you know, shelf life and whatever, he was able to at least mix it. And then with time, I learned how to do that when I did end up on a medication where that was needed. But it was nice growing up that I could rely on him to do that so I didn't have to go to school with an IV bag. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I could just go to class and do what I had to do. And I w- it was discreet because I was not comfortable saying, hey, everyone, I have CF. I'm going to go do my IV pull in yeah. the corner over here, you know? Yep. yep. So and it is an option that patients 
can do that if they feel comfortable doing that. And yes. I was the one with the oxygen and the IV pole. I was yes, like, you had it all. Just what a disaster. What an absolute disaster. Yeah. We, we should post that on the podcast. Yeah. Yes, no, we I absolutely have, should. We absolutely yeah. should. Walking through the halls. With my IV. Yep. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just about out of time here. This was a good podcast. Leah, I hope you feel better. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get some comments about this and maybe we'll, we'll come back and address it again, um, you know, when, you, when you're IV free. Uh, but yeah, that, that's today's episode and we are back. We're not, we're not taking some time off for, for the foreseeable future here. So we will be, uh, we'll be in your ear consistently every week. Every Thursday is when we post. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud and, uh, YouTube. Also on gunnerasiason.com. Um, people can get in touch with us at our email address at, well, I guess it's not at, but our email address is breathe underscore in underscore pod at asias.org. You can hit us up on Instagram, which is the same thing, right, Tiffany? Yeah, it's at read underscore in underscore pod. Yep, hit up the uh, Instagram there. Always slide in the DMs. It's where you get a lot of our podcast topics. Uh, I'm Gunnar and They're the Salty Sisters. You can hit us up on all sorts of social media outside of our podcast, uh, Instagram. And I think that's it for me. Do we have anything yeah. else? Yeah, you covered it. We're back for good for a while. Yes, yeah. we are. The summer's over and so are our vacations, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So you'll be seeing a lot more of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get excited! Yes, I'm yeah. excited. I, you guys, you guys seem super excited about it. So I'm so excited. <laughs> I love our podcast. So do I. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much, and we will talk to everyone next week. All right, All right. bye, guys. Bye.